Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Happy Heresies and welcome to the Desert of the Real. Welcome to Aeon Bagnostic Radio. And this is an unusual show, as you're probably noticing by now. A different show. This will be a one-on-one video interview. As I like to say, variety is the spice of gnosis. And it's all fun and games until somebody loses a third eye. And then it's just gnosis. And you will be getting a lot of gnosis today. Uh, in this special show, uh, well, the reason for this is a sync. Dr. Jeffrey Mishlove and I connected, and it was decided we should do an interview on him. An interview on his experiences, his wisdom, and his enthusiasm for the occult. And those are three reasons I admire him as a broadcaster of the esoterica and a promoter of esoteric ideas. For those of you who don't know, uh, Jeffrey Mishlove has been really a pioneer in alternative media for decades now, if you include his shows uh, Thinking Aloud and New Thinking Aloud, which I highly recommend. And again, uh, he is an individual like me who spends a lot of time uh, talking to people with occult and new age and alternative ideas. So it's, sometimes it's a great idea to understand what he has to say, what he has experienced, and his own ideas, which you'll find in an interview. We'll talk about his views on many issues, his views on many of the, again, uh, esoteric ideas out there, and his experience and challenges doing a, his broadcast. I don't know if you could call it a podcast, you could call it these days an internet show. So, and uh, one thing we certainly do discuss in this show, and I did mention the challenges, is yes, the challenges of being an alternative broadcaster, media personality in 2020. Um, obviously, it 
definitely parallels to the interview and the, ch the chat I did recently with Laura London. It parallels a recent show between Gordon White and the Gramerica Boys, and certainly with other podcasters I've been sharing these days, and that is this sort of very odd guilt by association, uh, cancel culture, or quote, how dare you give a platform. Which is very odd, but these are definitely very sensitive times, uh, very um, politicized times and very dualistic times where it seems every, everybody wants to uh, divide the world between good and bad guys. And even if you are simply sharing ideas, you get into the crosshairs. Uh, I guess we could call this uh, sort of, uh, I guess you could say the cultural revolution has gone and is spreading into the occult. And I find it very strange, and this is something we, we uh, Jeffrey and I talk about. I mean, I remember five years ago, this would have been very alien. I mean, people who are podcasters and so forth are just sharing ideas. I remember I could have one year where I would have a, a Satanist and a Calvinist Christian minister in the same year. Nobody batted an eyelash. I could have uh, guests who had certain political views. They could be extreme to one or to one side or to the other. And it was no big deal. People just came. They got the information. They left. That's what we do in the media. But again, this has changed, and this is something I am addressing. And uh, again, Jeffrey will address too. Uh, so I think you will enjoy it. As a special show, I also wanted to mention that I have decided to fully put out Finding Hermes. I will be rolling it out early in August. It won't just be a podcast, but it's going to be a full program. After all, I have spent many years uh, researching, collecting, and finding very the authentic Gnostic and Hermetic practices out there. And I've applied them to my life, and they have certainly helped me with my uh, addiction issues, mental issues, and, and basically just allowing me to expand my consciousness and get closer to find out who I really am, my authentic self, my divine self, some might say, my divine spark. So in this 2020, as the world uh, hangs in a balance, or more like the human psyche, hangs in the balance, I've decided I need to share this with the world. I need to get it out. So it's going to be a combination of uh, practices or a combination, I don't know what you want to call it. It's going to be a mixture of one-on-one uh, -on -one coaching, rituals uh, that you can find, um, media expressions, and uh, definitely finally creating the virtual Alexandria, a real virtual Alexandria, where uh, us Gnostic-minded, Hermetic-minded seekers and those who seek uh, uh, an expanded consciousness, those who seek to solve a lot of their issues, addiction, depression, and other, you might say, pathologies, although they really aren't, can come together and help each other out. So uh, that's my promise to you, and it's time to do it, and it's time to uh, serve Sophia in the Aeons and just do it. Don't worry, Aeon Bite will continue as it is. Funny, when I'm talking, 
and I'm looking at my webcam, I feel like I'm talking to, to Hal from 2001. Is there anybody out there? Nipples for men? Birdie? No, no. I'm sure you're all out there, and I'm sure nobody's coming to cancel me. In any event, I'm going to continue doing what I'm doing, which is bringing Gnostic voices, Gnostic expressions, Gnostic and Hermetic ideals to the world, because that is my call, and I hope I have served you. And uh, because this is a special show, we it's going to be complete for everyone. Uh, normal audience, patrons, AB Prime members... For those of you who are probably listening right now, you'll see that, yes, it is an audio version, so I will put this out as an audio version as well. Again, complete for everybody, but keep in mind, we got some excellent, uh, very high-quality, high-visibility guests and topics coming the rest of July and the rest of summer, and a lot of special bonuses for patrons and AB Prime members. We've only just begun, and the world needs this gnosis more than ever. As I keep saying, this is the best time to be awake, and it really is. The Archons have exposed themselves, but the Aeons are too within us. And I'm not trying to use my hands. I realized during the interview with Jeffrey that, man, Jeffrey's like cool, relaxed, and I am just, I guess, the the Mediterranean blood in me just decided to go crazy, and my hands were... We're everywhere, we're all over the place. But anyway, as I like to say always, enough of my drivel. Let us do the interview with Dr. Jeffrey Mishlove. Thanks for being here. Thanks for being yourself, your true self, here in the desert of the real. This is the Aeon Byte interview, and this is a very special show, a video call, that uh, something we often don't do here, but uh, this is definitely a great exception and an honor to have with us Dr. Jeffrey Mishlov. Jeffrey, how are you? And thank you very much for being on the show. It's a pleasure to be with you, and I'm very well, thank you. Well, great to, great to hear, and as we were talking before, I have followed your show for many years. I look up to you, uh, the content that you bring and the conversations and the ideas that you spread is uh, something is I admire as a whole. And I appreciate all the work that you've done, as I say, on the side of light, on the side of consciousness, expanded consciousness. Thank you. But uh, of course, it's great to uh, have you on the show so we can get to learn about you and your own ideas. And as we're talking, you are from uh, Fond du Lac, uh, Wisconsin. As uh, again, we were talking, my wife is from Madison. Uh, we are outside, I am outside of Chicago with my wife these days. And how did you become interested in these uh, the uh, esoteric topics? A kid from Wisconsin looking for the big questions in life beyond the Packers and cheese. <laughs> well, I I went to school in, in Madison as an undergraduate, and uh, it was during the 1960s. I uh, started college in 1965, graduated in 69, 
And, and it was a very transformative time. You know, it was the 1960s. There was social protests. There was the use of psychedelic drugs. And by the time I uh, reached my senior year at Madison, I decided to write a senior honors thesis on the psychology of religious mysticism because I think largely as, as a result of uh, my exposure to psychedelic drugs, I was experiencing uh, altered states of consciousness and they seemed to me to have a, a profoundly mystical nature. Back, back in the early days, I, I was still pretty skeptical though. I was concerned that People who reported ghosts, for example, must be experiencing some form of psychopathology that I was determined to write about. But as I got involved and uh, began exploring the subject, I realized that I, I encountered, for example, the works of Abraham Maslow, a great psychologist who looked at some of the most creative people of his era, people like Einstein or uh, Eleanor Roosevelt, and he found that these very creative, high-functioning individuals also reported mystical experiences. And, and that, that more than that, he called them peak experiences, uh, they reported that these experiences were central to their uh, careers and their accomplishments. Wow, that's interesting. And you said you yourself had experiences during college and so forth and the, the roaring 60s, and you basically became a true believer, if you would, a, a, a seeker? A seeker, not a true believer. I don't know that I've ever been a true believer. <laughs> but, but definitely I became a seeker as an undergraduate in college. And then uh, I, went, I went to Berkeley uh, to study, uh, and I was enrolled in the School of Criminology at Berkeley. I was, my interest had been psychotherapy, and I was working in the psychiatric unit of San Quentin Prison doing group therapy with sex offenders and murderers. And I made a decision then to pursue the positive side of human deviance, not the negative. And, uh, but it was hard to do. There was no opportunity really at Berkeley and certainly not at San Quentin. Uh, and I agonized over this for many, many months when one day I had this feeling of certainty that the answer to my search, how could I make this switch, would come in a dream. And that night, actually, I, ha I did have a dream. I woke up from the dream with this feeling of excitement. I, I had dreamt I was visiting some friends in Berkeley. I knocked on the door to their apartment. Nobody was there. Then I let, found the key, let myself into their apartment, walked into the living room. There in the middle of the living room floor was a magazine, and in my dream, I picked it up. It was called I, E-Y-E. -E. And I was paging through the magazine in my dream when I awoke with this feeling, oh, this is it. I have the answer. But I had no idea what the answer was or what it meant. So I acted out the dream. I put on my tennis shoes. I ran five miles across town. I 
knocked on the door of this apartment of my friends and nobody was home as I had dreamt. And I did know where they kept a key under the doormat. And I found the key, let myself into their apartment, smack dab in the middle of the living room floor, just as I had dreamt, was a magazine. I picked it up and it was called Focus. It's not I, but it was that magazine literally brought focus to my life because it was for your viewers who live in California, they would know it's the magazine of listener sponsored radio and television in the San Francisco Bay Area where I was living. And as I paged through the magazine, it dawned on me for the first time that I could pursue my interests by getting involved in the non-commercial segment of the media. So I, um, I didn't own a radio or TV back then. I didn't even believe in it. I was like this long-haired hippie who thought that the only authentic human interactions are face-to-face and that electronic media was phony baloney. But I, I changed my mind. I went over to the local Pacifica nonprofit radio station in Berkeley and I volunteered and they said, well, okay, sit at this desk and when you hear the buzzer ring, push this button and let people in the front door. And even though I had a master's degree at the time, I was happy to do it. And uh, within two weeks, I had learned how to produce radio programs. And three weeks later, they gave me my own radio show every Tuesday and Thursday afternoon. It was called The Mind's Ear. I found myself sitting across a table with world-class experts in all the subjects that interested me the most and 10,000 people listening in. So I've been doing uh, interviews since 1972, and that's how it started. And and it was that, uh, having that resource available to me gave me the confidence to then go back to the university and take advantage of a very little-known program they had uh, called the Individual Interdisciplinary Doctoral Program. And it, it enabled me to create my own individual program in parapsychology, which then took me the next eight years to complete. But <laughs> that's, that's the story. That's how I got started. What a great journey. Yeah. Speaking of follow your dreams, like Descartes getting his answers in a dream. It, if it was only that easy for all of us, but it, it's a good thing that it happened to you because it's been a great journey. And I was thinking, yeah, we both do interviews. I've been doing it for 14 years, growing it, just podcasting. And it's such a blessing to not only to learn, to share these voices. So you and I have had very much a lot of the mutual guests from Gary Lockman to Bernardo Castro to Jason Reza, Georgia, and so many others. But do you, does this ever happen to you? You, what I like, I love that it's almost like I see you falling in love with your guests because you really want to know. And I try to do the same, but sometimes I, suspend my disbelief i listen to these guests and then after about a month i go wait a second what do i believe in they all make such convincing arguments about reincarnation and you know astral body do you ever wonder go well what does jeff mishlow believe in (laughs) (laughs) uh i can tell you in a nutshell 
because all of the best interviews end on this note that we are all one. Mm. That the universe, it's one universe and we are one with it. And I think that's a good answer. It's certainly a good attitude. And are there any, through your years, any issues that you've made uh, maybe a 180-degree turn that you thought? Uh, for example, I can say for me, reincarnation. I go here and I go there. And at the end of the day, I'm like, well, like you, we're a one. I'm just going to be agnostic and enjoy being agnostic about that specific topic. Uh, reincarnation is fascinating. Uh, but then you have to ask yourself, uh, how does this work? If we're all one, how, why would I go lifetime after lifetime after lifetime? And um, I don't want to discount reincarnation because the evidence is very strong now. Empirical evidence, over 2,500 cases are in the archives at the University of Virginia of young children who remember past lives. But I will say this, it does seem to me that reality is very malleable and people who are spiritualists come up with great evidence for spiritualism and many spiritualists don't believe in reincarnation. They, they believe in an afterlife, but it doesn't entail reincarnation. Uh, if you accept the data for psychokinesis, which is, in my opinion, also very strong, I wrote a book, The PK Man, about someone who had extraordinary abilities, it seems to me that we have the ability to create uh, circumstances that would support any cherished belief system. Yes, and any any other issue that you've made a big change? I mean, for example, you were in the 60s, psychedelics was big, and then it, I don't know, as a healing, it sort of went underground and maybe in the turn of the century, Daniel Pinchbeck and other people really started pushing ayahuasca and all that. And now we live in a great time where at least, you know, marijuana and other things are, people are more open to entheogens. Yeah. And they're even legal now. Yeah. <laughs> Thank God. Yeah. Good, good. But any issues you've ever had a change that you maybe look back and how did I believe in this? Well, uh, you know, I, was raised in a uh, conventional uh, religious household, happened to be Jewish, but in growing up in a small town in Wisconsin, a, a Jewish background was an effort, I think, of the people there to blend into America. So it was, you know, very much like any other religion. And, and I grew up pretty conventionally, uh, sort of accepting it, I think, by the time I got to high school, I had uh, changed my mind about a conventional religion. I had come to uh, the opinion that uh, the most important thing is to be true to oneself, to find you know, one's own inner destiny and, and to follow it. So that was a big shift, but <laughs> I don't know if there have been any, any <laughs> shifts since, since then. I think I was about 18 at the time. <laughs> so you, yeah, you've been pretty steady. And another uh, aspect I love about uh, your show and you, is that it's, you have, I rarely, rarely see anything to do with politics. You always stick to the big picture. 
your guests stick to the big picture, the eternal, the metaphysics, even in a time where everything has to be politicized and something you, you've done a great job. How do you keep, again, the material, the politics, the issues and the metaphysics so well separated on your show? Do you have a, a technique? Because sometimes I'll have a guest and he'll just go off. I, you know, I love Trump or I hate Trump or something like that. And I just let him I just let him go. Well, you know, for much of our program on the old Thinking Aloud channel and then the new Thinking Aloud YouTube channel, our, our goal was for programs that would be timeless. So we avoided politics or current events. I figure if people were watching 50, 100 years in the future, the program would still seem very relevant. But interesting that you should bring it up because tomorrow, morning, actually at midnight mountain time on the New Thinking Aloud YouTube channel, I'm releasing a video called uh, Unity and Diversity in American Politics. Uh, so it, it does deal with politics and it deals with Trump not from a partisan point of view. It looks at the American political landscape through the eyes of Native American culture. Mm, that should be wonderful. Got to, yeah, look forward to hearing that one. And do you feel, uh, I know you obviously you like Carl Jung as, as much as I do. Do you feel we are in a time, as many Jungians have said, where our collective shadow is really being projected out into the world and we really, more than ever as a people, we need to go inward? Or as somebody who lived through the 60s, you're like, these shifts happen. This is the way culture is. Well, yes, and I remember growing up in the 60s, we were only 20 years after the Second World War at, at that point. Um, so I'm aware of, you know, my parents lived through the war and the depression. So I'm aware that very profound things can happen. And it does strike me that we are in an era and, and that President Trump is showing us that the uh, shadow of the American psyche is still very real. And people are responding to that, I think, in a positive, healthy way that, uh, for all I know, wouldn't have happened without Trump. So uh, we, are in an, we have an opportunity now to collectively uh, take a good, hard look at our shadow as Americans. And uh, it's something that uh, every culture needs to do from time to time. Oh, I agree. And of course, uh, Trump, as Jungians have said on this show, he's very much a representation of the archetype of the trickster. And the trickster brings a lot of gifts. Again, if you can see beyond the message, beyond all the things there is, the trickster helps us look inside as well, of course. In mm -hmm. Native American mythology, that's very popular. Yeah. So these are, yeah, so these are good things. And do you have, uh, in all your years doing interviews, I know this is a loaded question, any favorite topic or guest that is just memorable or even life-changing to you? Or can you even admit that? <laughs> well, I, you know, many, many guests have been memorable and life-changing. And uh, one of the most exciting, I just finished a few minutes ago, editing a video. It'll be released next week 
with a woman named Carolyn Corey, who is a filmmaker. She has a new documentary on psychic functioning that's due out on July 14th of this year. And uh, it's called Superhuman, From the Invisible to the Visible. And I have to say, uh, I'm extremely impressed. It's one of the best documentaries on psychic functioning uh, I have ever seen. And this lady is a filmmaker and a healer and a, a mystic. And on top of all that, very gifted psychic who demonstrates long distance psychokinesis right there on her documentary working with scientists. So uh, many of my viewers are often saying, why do you only just talk about psychic functioning? Why can't you demonstrate it? Well, our new thinking allowed is about understanding, not demonstrating, but she did it in this documentary over and over again. Uh, shows demonstrations of psychic functioning. So I found that very impressive. And it, it suggests to me that consciousness is rising. We're, we're bubbling up. There are things going on on, on this planet that, uh, at least for those who are awake and aware, uh, are very significant. Wow. So you, so you think you would have, you have a more, do you feel people are more open-minded about the paranormal than they were 10, 20 years ago? Or what is your view from where you sit? Yes, I think, I think things are changing. For example, two years ago, the American Psychologist, which is the flagship journal of the American Psychological Association, published a, an article by, uh, written by uh, Etzel Cardenia, who was uh, the former editor of the Journal of Parapsychology. And uh, it was summarized the results of 1,400 experiments of a parapsychological nature with overwhelming statistical support and uh, by and large, very good uh, double blinds and, and rigorous methodology. And, you know, the psychologists, the American Psychological Association, they were amongst the most hostile to, yeah. to parapsychology, the most threatened by it. And uh, for them, they rarely ever acknowledge it or discuss it in their journals. But this was a major milestone for them to have published this very positive article summarizing decades worth of, of research. I think uh, it takes a while for these things to sort of filter into the culture, but to me, it's a turning point. We oh, have a very important turning point. Yeah, that is great to hear. It's, and it's, it's unfortunate that we lost it. I mean, when you read atheists like Sigmund Freud or Lewis Carroll in the late 19th century, the idea of studying telepathy and all that was was considered scientific. I mean, it wasn't, there was nothing wrong with it. People, they understood the power of the human brain and we sort of lost that in the 20th century. What do you think happened, Jeff? And why are we just catching up to this? Well, you're right. William James, the founder of American psychology, yeah. was deeply involved in researching mediums and, and asking the question about postmortem survival. Um, but then the behaviorist movement came along mm. in psychology. Psychologists decided that we can't study the mind directly. The mind is invisible. What we, we can study is behavior. So... Uh, that movement lasted about a half a century. 
And uh, it was, it's only since the 1970s, of course, that's practically a half century now, uh, people are saying, we can look at consciousness. Okay, we'll look at consciousness, biofeedback, meditation, the relaxation response. But the, the great mystery remained, how, how, consciousness at all. Well, how can material science explain consciousness in any way whatsoever? And now I think people are coming around to questioning the, the fundamental metaphysics of materialism. Oh, yeah, I would agree. And I mean, even, uh, uh, again, Carl Jung did his uh, doctoral dissertation, I believe, on seances. So, again, this was in the air and we've lost it. It's great to be back. So I have a hypothetical question for you. And I, I have asked other guests like uh, Dr. Jeff Kripal and others, uh, because, again, there is so much. You could look at your catalogs of shows and you can find years of evidence. But let's pretend you're up on a stage and there's a crowd of 10,000 people and you've got Richard Dawkins, and he's on one side, and he's telling the crowd, there is only the material world, blah, 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 There's you're superstitious, and then it turns to you, and they say, Dr. Mishlov, uh, do you have five minutes, what are your best two uh, points of evidence to say that, yes, that there is a supernatural world, and that there's, and that consciousness is more than electricity in our brain, what would be your two arguments to this hypothetical crowd? Well, I think I would repeat what I just told you about the data now in print uh, in the American Psychologist, where, you know, the uh, world's major psychological organization acknowledges uh, the data, finally, at, at this point. And, and second of all, uh, look at the general public surveys by Gallup and Roper and, and other survey companies over the years show that roughly two-thirds of the population are having these experiences on an ongoing basis. So yeah. uh, you can argue, uh, you know, people like Daniel Dennett will argue that consciousness doesn't even exist, uh, <laughs> which seems kind of absurd, but... Consciousness denying it, it, it doesn't exist. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it's something else. And uh, that's also very interesting because... Um, uh shifting gears obviously there's so much evidence about again the paranormal world and all that but what do you have any criticisms towards let's say the new age movement or uh the esoteric movement for example i've had a conversation with mitch horowitz on this show and he's very open he says no it's very disorganized it's there's a lot of uh victim shaming in other words westerners think that karma is whatever you deserve and we can wash our hands from it and he has other issues with the new age and new thought movement do you have any criticisms criticisms yourself well i i suppose if i wanted to get picky i i could but um that's it's not really my style i would rather embrace the whole universe you know i people sometimes fault me because i uh, put people like Jason Reza Giorgiani uh, on the program a lot. I, I think he's a brilliant man. Uh, uh, actually yeah, have a great affection for him. Uh, but other people point to things, not nothing that he's ever said on my program, but elsewhere that would 
you know, people interpret him as a fascist, a neo-Nazi, a racist. I think those are misinterpretations. But my point is simply that I think we need to embrace it all. You know, even the things that we call evil. Uh, I think we have, if, if we're one with everything, then we have to own that and, yes. and own, own it completely, which means uh, we're one with things that we might think of as flaky uh, or things that we might think of as evil or things that smell bad or taste bad and, uh, or, 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 or are creepy or obnoxious. And, and uh, that's all part of life. And uh, being one with the universe means accepting every bit of it. I would agree with you. Yeah, I think it's ridiculous when they always say, well, you gave this person a platform or not. And I'm like, well, we're sharing ideas. And I think uh, a lot of people, I think, project their own insecurities and uh, to deciding who should be a guest when we're just sharing similar ideas. I agree with you about Jason. I think it's ludicrous. Some of the, the slander and polemics he's, re he's, he's had to receive. I think he's a brilliant guy and he's so much fun to you know talk to as a friend so uh but as you're talking about embrace the evil jeff do you feel what is your stance on evil do you feel as we get more into gnostic topics what is your stance on ontological evil or evil itself or suffering well it's you know, it almost depends on the level at which you discuss it. After all, I'm a human being, too. And uh, I grew up with a strong sense of uh, social justice. Jason uh, doesn't like social justice warriors, but I always grew up to, to, to admire them. Uh, Martin Luther King is a hero, as far as I'm concerned. And uh, so, sure, I think uh, it's very important to stand up against uh, oppression and, and abuse. And uh, I, I very strongly believe in uh, social justice at one level. At another level, uh, what Stanislav Grof calls the cosmic game, which is a completely non-human level, if you were the creator of the universe, I mean, for, put yourself into the mind of God for a moment. We live in this universe of billions of galaxies, and each galaxy is billions of stars, and the stars have planets, and probably many, many of these planets have civilization, and, and you've got life forms and and they're doing all the things that life forms do which you know life forms eat each other uh, amongst other things and <laughs> so it, it would seem to me that the universe is trying to know itself and it means that it wants to know everything the universe wants to experience every kind of experience there is to be had including suffering and including great joy and uh it's all part of, I, I think it's a, a kind of hunger for the universe itself to know all the possibilities of experience. And so uh, at that level, there's no value judgment. Yeah, yeah. And, and what about the idea of, let's say, evil spirits? I think uh, I have a friend, Gordon White, he talks about 90% 
of mythologies around the world have evil spirits and then you you start st even the the hermetics talk even about evil evil spirits emmanuel swedenborg talks about evil spirits and demon possession you know you might be the father of new age if you really think about it not blavatsky uh so what do you think about evil spirits and ghosts and all that well you know back in the day when i was a graduate student uh, i knew a man named wilson van dusen who was a swedenborgian and he was the chief psychologist at napa state hospital a big mental health facility in california and he wrote a book called uh, the presence of spirits in the world of madness and it was his belief that people who were hospitalized as schizophrenics and psychotics were being plagued by harmful spirits. And uh, he also noted, and he worked with them, he said they also have good spirits who are helping them. So uh, at that level, yes, I think these things happen. But evil is, you know, the spirits can be a nuisance. They can plague you. But it strikes me and, and maybe this is my bias, that I'm very, very wary of people who point a finger at you or th them or some group. I have viewers who say, you know, the, the, all the evil in the world is because of the Zionists. All of the evil in the world is because of the Catholics. All of the evil in the world is, is because of the wealthy. All the evil in the world is because of the poor. <laughs> or, or, or this racial group, or, or the Jews, or, and the, the funny thing is that I think if you look at history, the worst atrocities have been committed by people who thought they were fighting evil. So I, I think if, you know, when people come to me and they say, this one is evil, that one is evil, my response is always, look inside yourself first, that's where you'll find it. I think that's well said. Uh, it's as I say, it's so easy to reduce the world to good and bad guys. But what happens is, yeah, we get disconnected from our own inner self, and we project, and we do a lot of damage. So that's well said. Uh, I couldn't say it better. And um, why don't we talk a little bit about the considering the show about the Gnostics and the Hermetics? What has been your experience studying them? Obviously. I really enjoyed your interaction with uh, Jason Reza Giordani on Philip K. Dick on the Gnostics. Great chemistry, and you guys came up with some great insights. Loved it. Well, I think that uh, the work that I do in parapsychology is in some ways a, um, an outgrowth of thousands of uh, years of tradition of uh, esoteric study, both East and West. So the Hermetic tradition, the Gnostic tradition, the uh, yoga traditions in the East and, and Buddhist traditions. As far as I'm concerned, as a person who had the uh, benefit of creating my own graduate degree program in parapsychology, we're looking at the history of parapsychology right there. Uh, a, a lot of other people who call themselves parapsychologists think of it as an experimental science, which is a, a little offshoot of psychology and based on work done by J.B. Ryan in the 1930s. Uh, to me, they're missing the larger picture. Yeah, and uh, you have to wonder, too, uh, obviously, I'm very passionate about Gnosticism as a philosophy and aesthetic and a spirituality, but... 
it almost seems we're coming full circle, as some have said, uh, including Jason. It seems like we live in a Philip K. Dick world. And the Gnostics did the Gnostics didn't say the world was an illusion. They said this is a simulation by some intelligence a little bit higher. And it yeah. seems these ideas uh, in your show with your guests is more and more accepted or welcome at least. Well, I like to play with these ideas. I think that the, the value of uh, somebody like Jason who talks about the simulated reality or time travel or the breakaway civilization is that these are provocative ideas. They stimulate thought. But uh, I can tell you, I, I don't necessarily subscribe to any of that. Uh, my viewpoint is that it's very important to understand the language of consciousness, to, to know the words, to know the terms, to understand the concepts that uh, people in all of these different communities are using. That's, you know, the ocean in which we're swimming, but the ocean is actually much larger than any of those concepts. Concepts are just, uh, you know, the playthings of the intellect, and uh, the world in, in which we exist is is larger, much larger than the intellect. Well said, and for advice for people, obviously this is an odd year with the pandemic, the, the economy, we have a, a very odd election on the way, strange times, uh, and individuals, rightly so, are suffering from fear and anxiety. In all your years, what advice do you give people to overcome this fear and anxiety? Take a good deep breath, relax, meditate, uh, take good care of your health, watch your diet. Uh, I mean, th there's a lot of basics that I think are very important uh, for people to, to live a healthy, balanced life. My mother, who was a yoga teacher, always told me, yeah, moderation in all things including moderation yeah that's the good advice and more needed than ever and are there have you any gnostic texts or books that you've read that you've really enjoyed that you'd want to share with the audience um, or hermetic texts anything that speaks to you well now that let me let me think uh, uh, for a minute I'll, I'll tell you a text uh, that I'm reading right now which is different, it's shamanistic rather than Gnostic or Hermetic. Um, if you know, if you want, I can actually get a book and show you the book cover. Sure, yeah, yeah, I'd love to see no, no worries. I'll be right back. Here we go. This is an amazing book. North America Indian Medicine Powers for those spirit talkers. Yes. And that's what you're reading right now? Yes, it is. William S. Lyon, um, whom I've interviewed uh, once. I plan a second interview with him. He's an anthropologist, came out of the University of Kansas. He spent the last 50 years participating in the Native American rituals, you know, here we are living in North America, uh, and we have all, about a million Native Americans living amongst us. And I now, uh, since the last two and a half years, I live in New Mexico, so I'm 
uh, more than ever aware of the Native American populations. And uh, they have a very rich and deep uh, shamanistic culture. Uh, not only that, their culture had in the very early days of the European settlers, they had a very powerful influence on the founding of the United States government and the first articles of confederation were uh, largely based upon the Iroquois confederation, for example. But he has in this book made more than a hundred eyewitness accounts by anthropologists and some of the early missionaries and traders who saw what the Indian medicine people could do. And uh, they were able to exhibit uh, enormous powers of a wide variety. I'm under the impression even today, uh, they still, uh, they haven't lost it. Not, not entirely. It's a, it's a very, very uh, profound uh, tradition, and we're surrounded by it. Yes, we are. I agree. We need to tap into it more. It was even, I think, even Aleister Crowley, when he came to America, is like, you Americans, you've got all this tradition, Native American tradition. You're hanging on to your old Christian and Jewish ways. <laughs> open up. Open your, you know, there's, there's yeah. so much out there. And even my uncle, he's uh, the head of a Santo Daime uh, church. And, of course, it's Native or Indian in Brazil. I don't know what we call it. Native American in Brazil, and he will go down once a year to the Amazons, and they'll they'll get a snake and they'll bite they'll bite him, and he'll be dying for twelve hours. And then the rest of the year he won't have a cold, a flu. He'll be so healthy. I mean, that's the kind of we could use that in our in our Western culture, oh, right, Jeff? Interesting. Yeah. So there is so much we've lost. So. But I think, yeah, this has been great, and I really appreciate it. I think we are at the end, Jeff. So if people, for those of you, for those that don't know, if people want to learn more about you, where can they go? I'll have show notes, obviously, but please let the audience know anything you want to find who you are, where you need, to, where you are. Uh, I would recommend uh, they check out the New Thinking Allowed Foundation. That's the organization that sponsors the New Thinking Allowed TV series and allowed. Some people think it's A L O U D, but it's A L L O W E D. So you can just go to newthinkingaloud.org or newthinkingaloud.com. That'll take you to our YouTube channel. Uh, and people can uh, learn about what we're doing. We put up three or more videos every week. Yes, and I highly recommend them. It's great content and uh, very useful content and uh, very eye-opening, eye mind-expanding content. So, Jeffrey, well, thank you for all the work you do, all the work you've done, as I keep saying, for the powers of light, for the powers of consciousness. And thank you for your time and uh, coming on Aeon Biognostic Radio. Well, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Let me quote a wonderful poem by Caitlin Johnstone, who, like John Lennon, might be a cryptognostic, but for sure she knows that modern religion and spirituality should be approached first and foremost as art. 
that a psycho-spirituality is the way to face the horror of existence and embrace the transcendent. The poem is called, Welcome to Planet Earth. Welcome to Planet Earth, where books written by dead men tell the living how to live. Where children who do not know how to live teach their children how to live. Where children pray for miracles using minds that are made of miracles, with clasped hands that are made of miracles. Where children wander in search of God upon feet that are made of God, looking with the eyes that are made of God. Where giant brain monsters swim the seas and we fill their bellies with plastic while searching for stars for aliens. Where poison blackens the air and the water because all need jobs to stay alive where we can't stop dropping bombs on children because it's somebody's job to make those bombs. Where thunderous beauties overlooked and paved over with a parking lot for a shop that helps women feel beautiful. Welcome to planet Earth, full of elephant tears and whale bones, of metal beasts and flesh machines, of forest graveyards and bulldozed dreams, of vagrant witches and shopping cart saints, of sprouting seeds and unrecognized potential, of unanswered questions and pregnant suspense. Welcome to planet Earth, where you haven't yet figured out that we are home. This planet is dying. The human race is killing it. So you've come here to help us? No. Um, you said you came to save us. I said I came to save the Earth. You came to save the Earth. From us. Or as Egyptian writer Nagweeb Mafos wrote, Home is not where you are born. Home is where all your attempts to escape cease. Maybe home is somewhere else. Maybe somewhere else is bringing that home into your heart. Through that wonderful art, each one of us has the ability to unleash. Hey, Gnosticism is endless speculation in a world that, yes, has lost hope and must lean on imagination. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Place your money line. 
prop or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.